Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 13 for January 14th, and that's that's Sunday. I didn't mention that. But we are here today. I'm Alex Huey, and I'm here with Alex Rudy. Just the two of us. How you doing? I'm doing swell. How about you, my friend? I am doing quite well as, as usual, and this time with a three-day weekend. So, you know, the first day of that is going pretty well so far. Um, how was your first week of classes at uh, Michigan there? It was quite hectic, I'm not going to lie, but I made it through. And, you know, being back in school is always an adjustment, even if you're just gone for a few weeks. It always takes a little bit to get settled again, at least for me, I don't know about you. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. How was your, you really just came back, so how, how's that going? Oh, yeah, I mean, it was... As having three weeks off really felt like it went away as soon as you get back to to school, get back into your rhythm. Uh, but it's it's all right so far. It should be a less stressful quarter than last one, hopefully. So we'll uh, we'll go ahead and leave all the school talk aside for now and uh, tell everybody what we're talking about for today. I think um, first and foremost we will be talking about. The Garrett Cole trade that went down earlier today. And then we'll move on to our team of the week as planned with the Washington Nationals. We actually get to talk about a very good team. We're doing these in random order, so um, finally got around to one of these ones. I feel like the last few teams we've done are all kind of um, middling or below average teams, so it should be different. Uh, are you ready to go? Yeah, I was just to say, you're assuming that people do not listen to this podcast to listen to us talk about school, when in fact, I'm quite sure they listen to a baseball podcast exclusively for that reason. So, I mean, I, I honestly can't listen to myself talk about school. I mean, I can't, I can't bring myself to, to talk about it more than I need to anyway. Um, <laughs> so I'm more than happy to stick to baseball while we're on here anyway. Um, Garrett Cole, we finally have some baseball news. We've been complaining for weeks now, and our prayers have sort of been answered. Hopefully the ball gets rolling a little bit after this one. So, But, you know, the Astros jumped on the opportunity. So, yes, the Houston Astros got Garrett Cole, and they sent back Joe Musgrove, Colin Moran, Michael Feliz, and another lower-level outfield prospect, who his name is not in front of me for some reason. Um... Where did that go? I had it open. Jason Martin. Jason Martin. Martin? I don't know what ethnicity he is. That depends on the pronunciation, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> he is also going back in that deal. And the general consensus seems to be that the Pirates got screwed in this deal, but I don't quite see it that way. Do you, do you think the Pirates got a decent haul back for their star pitcher? I, I think they did fine. I'm notoriously low on Garrett Cole, um, as we've talked to about many times. Maybe that's just because I'm a fantasy owner that's just been disappointed in his <laughs> lack of growth, excluding the 2015 season. I think the other reason that people are really low on this trade for the Pirates right now is that there were talks of them getting a true star like uh, Clint Frazier or some people were reporting Laboratories. I think anyone who knows baseball well enough knew that that was a pipe dream. But I can see why the initial reaction made to support the Astros without doing your research but there's a good chance that the Pirates got two very good at the very least 
they should be getting two very good relievers and a starting third baseman um, and a lottery ticket prospect for a guy who's going to leave the team in, I think, two years, right? He's going to be free in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you add the context of the fact that the Pirates are never going to spend and they're always going to be trading away, making these kind of deals where they trade away talent to rebuild on the fly like this, I, and I assume they're going to do moves such as involving McCutcheon, maybe a few other veterans before the season. I, I don't think it looks too bad. No, and it doesn't really look too bad for the Pirates. I mean, it looks bad whenever you are in a position where you feel compelled to trade your star pitcher just to make sure you get some return for him. He's under team control for two more years. It's not like he's in his his walk year or anything or in his free agent season, you know? It's, uh, It's unfortunate for Pirates fans just in the position the team's in more so than anything else, but I think the the outrage about how the Astros got away with this kind of theft is not really fair. I mean, it's it's so hard to gauge what the pitching market really is like. I guess the most recent big-name pitcher, somewhat big-name pitcher, was Sonny Gray with the Yankees. Were there any others at the deadline that were, um, you know, of that, that, you know, like, not top tier, but, you know, close to that mid-range top tier. Um, it's, was Darvish true at the deadline? Um, well, I mean, Darvish is different. I, I would say Darvish is different. <laughs> like, that's, I don't know. Maybe people do think that Garrett Cole is as good as you, Darvish. I um, do not think that. I, but, I mean, I, in terms of value, their value might not be that different just because of the age and contract issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I've seen a few certain comments on Reddit here and there that are saying, you know, well, this is even less than the Yankees got for Sonny Gray. And I'm thinking to myself, not really. I think the the return is still greater than what the Yankees gave up in that deal. I People overreact. You know, you look at a pitcher like Joe Musgrove. He's not putting up really appealing numbers, but was is not too far removed from being a good prospect. And Colin Moran has... Yeah, he's done really well in his time in the minor leagues. Came up for a short stint so far. It looks like he can be a good everyday player for a team that really had nobody on the left side of their infield. So all you baseball fans complaining that the Astros are too overpowered and making these outrageously cheap trades, you know, just look at the... It's, it's all relative to everything else. You know, Giancarlo Stanton went to the Yankees for not a great player hole, but just, you know, you got to look at the situation of the market and how, and just how the contract situations are. And I guess that was what the Pirates felt they needed to, to jump on to make sure they got, a, you know, probably the peak value for Garrett Cole at this time. So I don't really have much more to say about the trade, unfortunately. I'm sure there will be more developments with you know what the pirates are planning on doing with all of the pieces that they've acquired um, so that's always something to keep an eye on and you know Garrett Cole is going to be slotted into probably the best rotation in baseball now where, where do you think they stand on that do you think there's another uh, team that has a better rotation at this point uh 
maybe the Nationals have a more consistent rotation, I would argue. Well, you can uh, say that, but the Nationals' rotation right now is four starters deep. I, there's no one who beats their depth, that's for sure. If that's how you want to define it. I mean, it matters. You know, if you're just talking one through four, yeah, maybe the Nationals still have a little bit of an edge. I mean, it's hard to argue the team that just won the World Series and then just traded for a top 20 pitcher and say they don't have the best rotation in the league because of that. I mean, I still don't know if they still... I don't think they have still at the moment that guy who just absolutely frightens me. And I know that you, I can just check off that game that to be a guaranteed win. Um, though I think baseball playoffs have shown recently that maybe that guy excluding Massimo Gardner doesn't exist anyways. But there's no doubt that it's really hard to argue with a team that, you know, Brad Peacock, who had an incredibly great starting pitching performance last year, will probably not make any starts next year because of the amount of depth they have, for example. I mean, he still might make starts. I don't know what their their designs are. You know, even when Brad Peacock was starting, he was making four inning starts and just striking out eight batters in that time frame. Like they do some interesting things to to stretch out the season for themselves and to make it as easy as possible on the rest of their roster. So if the Astros get creative with all their depth, then that's something I definitely want to go back to at some point and talk about. But as of right now, you know, everybody, it's the celebration popping champagne phase of this. You know, the Astros are like, hooray, we got another good team-controlled pitcher. And the Pirates are like, yay, we have more players now. <laughs> like, I guess that's the only way I can, can bring light to that. Um, I, guess, I guess I still am sorry to Pirates fans out there who are frustrated with the, the middling rebuild that they're going through. We just did a Team of the Week on the Pirates so if you want to hear more about uh, the way their their team's constructed and where they're at, you can go ahead and check that out as well. I almost I almost nailed my uh, my Garrett Cole prediction. It's not so much a prediction. It was one of my hy- hypothetical trade scenarios where he goes to the Astros, but I almost got it right. I got the, the Joe Musgrove and Colin Rampart right. So I don't know. I'll take that as a minor victory for myself. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and move on to our team of the week. We're talking Nationals. Today, it's always a fun time talking about good teams that have really compelling players like Bryce Harper and Trey Turner and Anthony Rendon, Max Scherzer. These are all some characters that I am very, very, you know, excited whenever I watch them play baseball. And unfortunately, we have no baseball to watch right now, so we'll just kind of fantasize about what they can do this season and. Beyond that, I don't know what else we will be doing. Uh, I guess the the leading story for the Nationals, and this has kind of been the case for the while, other than the fact that they can't win the division series, is that Bryce Harper is going to be in his last year of team control, and he's going to hit the free agent market after the 2018 season. So where do we stand? Where do the Nationals stand? Where does all of baseball front office stand? on what is going to happen with Bryce Harper. Um, for, I guess the first question would be, do you think they end up extending him at any point before it gets to that point? I mean, Bryce Harper literally has no incentive to do that, so I just I don't think there's any chance that that's going to happen. 
right. Well, okay, let's let's flip it then a little bit because he has no incentive to take you know, a traditional you know team extension. But if the Nationals do make a incredibly generous offer at this point, they get to put their bid in ahead of time and they overshoot a little bit um, of what his value is worth knowing that you know he'll probably end up getting more on the open market regardless of how his season goes do you do you risk that do you give him like a like a 360 to 400 million dollar contract extension uh, I, that's that i mean whatever happens to him is going to be unprecedented most likely but for a team extension like that that would be something that would be hard to pass up you'd have to seriously consider that if you're Bryce Harper no uh i just don't see considering he's a Scott Boris client and knowing his personality he does not seem like the play it safe, let's take the extension, the guaranteed money kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And moreover, I think the biggest question really is, is he a Washington National, you know, career player? And I don't want to make assumptions that he's going to the Yankees or anything like that, and, you know, or the Dodgers, whatever you want to say. I, I, I really don't think at any point. So far, there's been anything that can really make you say confidently one place or another that there's a clear suitor that he's considering. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, but with that said, there's nothing that he's done that's made me feel like he's a guy who's dedicated to the Nationals and to Washington, D.C. And I think you would have made those intentions clear. I mean, Trout, clearly, for example, I think he's the easiest to compare. Or even Stanton, honestly. Those guys both signed the extensions, unless I'm mistaken. No, they did. They both signed pretty, pretty sizable extensions. So The precedence is there for a guy like Harper or like Machado, for example, if they're committed to those franchises to extend. They're, there's really nothing on the rumor mill or the, hot, or the mildly hot stove that seems to be convincing us that Harper is a guy who sees himself lifetime uh, with the team formerly known as the Montreal Expos. Is that what they're going by now? Is that the the title that most people refer to them as? Um, I tend to agree. It's hard to say no to a type of contract that would be unprecedented for what it's worth. I mean, I'm willing to bet that most teams have learned from situations like Giancarlo Stanton's contract that they are not the types of contracts you want to be signing. It's a pretty desperate act that you have to to make to, to go after a player like that. So if you're going to sign somebody to that kind of range of dollar sign, you have to really know that your team's in a position to contend, not just for the immediate future. <laughs> like, the Nationals are one of those teams that could be set up for another decent run at a dynasty. You know, their their farm system depth has depleted a little bit, not to say that it it fizzled out, just that it is graduated to the major leagues. So there's that's part of the, the deal as well. They still have lots of compelling pieces to build a new core around whether Bryce Harper is going to be a part of that or not remains to be seen. So the only reason I agree with you in that is that the divisions can be awful for the next two seasons guaranteed. Well, the next season anyway, 
I, don't... I still think the Phillies and the Braves are going to be really ready to be to take that big of a leap by 2019. I guess it's theoretically possible teams mm-hmm. do make jumps like that, but I'm not. I wouldn't like assume it automatically. Well, I'll tell you why next year of all years would be the time for teams like the Braves and the Phillies to do that, and it has to do with the fact that they are rebuilding teams. You know, they are not spending a lot of money right now because of the situation they're in, but they are in markets that, and they are franchises that have gone and spent the money it takes to win. It's not a situation like the A's or the the Rays where they're in a perpetual rebuilding state. Both these teams can can go out there onto one of the, the richest free agent markets and pick the pieces they need to make themselves serious contenders. Not a baseball like thing that really happens. You don't really see teams before they make that leap spend in free agency to make that leap. I, I can't think of a recent example where the team spent before they got good. Well, do you think they're not going to be at a point where they'll be good next year? I think they, they will be, both those teams, with the young cores that they're what you, going what's to be the, introducing. What's the standard of good that we're using here? They're not going to make the playoffs, I can guarantee you that. I would say the, you have to have a solid core of young players that you're like, okay, we have enough to, to fill I, out the rest of this field. I really think that there's already so many good teams in baseball that even with how deep next year's free agency class is, I can't imagine the Braves and the Phillies are going to be able to sign enough guys to jump guaranteed over the Nationals, even if Harper leaves. But I do think that 2019, what you're saying is very possible because Weeders, Kelly, Gio Gonzalez, Murphy, Madsen, Adams will all also be free agents on top of Harper and Scherzer's going to be 35 by then, give or take. Strasburg's going to be entering his 30s. Zimmerman, I will be shocked if he's even playing come 2020. Last season, I'm I'm not counting last season as any guarantee for what this future is like. That smells, there's just, does not smell, it smells like fish. It smells it very smell, it, it smells of the fish, yeah. Um, and if you take away uh, Victor Robles, who I think could replace Harper, you know, you don't see young guys who are just, you don't see enough young guys that are just, you can just put in those roles and say, oh, like, they're fine, they're fine. They're, I mean, Joe, Trey Turner is all, and Rendon are still obviously part of the youngest core, and Joe Ross, A.J. Cole, Cody Glover, I know it just seems like I'm naming names. I'm just trying to spot all out, though. Michael Taylor, Tanner Roark, all those guys are fine. I don't think those guys are franchise-building players. I think, while I'm not trying to backtrack too much, because I know I was just arguing with you, I don't think it's guaranteed what you're saying will happen with the Braves and the Phillies. But to round this all off, the Nationals need to realize that like, they're – it really doesn't matter what that future happens. This is their year to go win a championship, and they basically failed for the last five seasons completely. And one of those seasons, I don't think they made the playoffs. I think that was the Mets World Series year. Um, mm-hmm. With all, and there's just this team is perfect in all honesty on paper. There's no reason that they can't win the World Series. There's nothing really to improve on. Uh, are there maybe more talented teams in the moment, like the Astros that just improved, like the Dodgers, like the Yankees? Maybe on paper, but their only chance, I think, to make this dynasty that hasn't won anything truly a dynasty and keep Harper is to make the World Series this year, I think. 
even if they make the NLCS, I don't think it's enough. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's this is in some people's minds the last year of that window with Bryce Harper leading the way, leading the charge into the postseason. And I think you have to make it abundantly clear that you're not, no matter what the Nationals do, unless they end up re-signing Bryce Harper, you're not going to replace Bryce Harper on that team. There's, I don't think there's a scenario where Victor Robles ends up being a Bryce Harper type of player. He just isn't profiled that way. Can he be a really good player in different facets of the game? Yeah, he absolutely can be. He can be a perennial gold glove defender who steals like 40 bases and hits 15 home runs every year and is just one of the anchors of that team, but not the same way that Bryce Harper is, not the MVP of you know, the league type of player. Um, so that has to be clear. And at the, at the age that he's at, too, I think that's something that can be overlooked considering how long he's been around. Um, so enough about Bryce Harper. Let's kind of shift gears and talk about what is going to be there in the future definitively. And one of the first players that I want to talk about is Anthony Rendon, who I personally believe the Nationals really should spring for extension, like give a Justin Turner-esque extension to. They'll probably have to shell a little bit more even than what Turner got, because that's a pretty team-friendly deal. But, I mean, one of the first signs is Rendon is not a Boris client right now, so that's a good sign. You should take advantage of that while you can. And second of all, Anthony Rendon is just a really valuable player in, you know, every aspect of the game. And he's also at a point in his career where, you know, he's, eight, he's 27 years old. He's entering the prime of his career. He had a great season last year. Um, one of the, the top third basemen, if you go by wins above replacement. So he's the one that you really should, that the Nationals should be considering giving more money to, um, because that's, that's a reasonable thing to do. It might be unreasonable to, to give Bryce Harper the, the extension money he needs. I, mean, I can agree. Yeah. I think Rendon actually makes perfect sense to be uh, extended because he hasn't really proven... Not that he hasn't proven himself, but I don't know. He's not a guy in the Harper tier, and it's undoubtable that he's talented. Uh, physical attributes are there, but he gets he's had some injury issues. Um, he's 28, so it's not like... I think you can make the case, like, this is what he is at this point. Is that unreasonable? Like, he's Yeah, probably, but what he is is really good, so I'm... No, you'll get yeah. me wrong, but... So that's a guy who I think I would agree with you 100%. You should be locking down and both parties make sense because I don't know if Rendon is going to get a necessarily great offer uh, in two years uh, on free agency. I think he has two more years of arbitration. So I don't know when he's, if he's, when he's 30, 31. What, the one thing I think you can really take away from modern baseball free agency is that these teams are, and we've talked about this already, is that teams are really gun-shy from giving 30-plus uh, position players long-term contracts. Did you just say 30-plus position players? Like 30. Oh, 30, age 30. I was going to say, like, that's a lot of position players to be carrying on a roster. Uh, that is clearly not what you meant. Yeah, you know, Anthony Rendon is good. That's the, the moral of the story. 
Um, Adam Eaton is going to be back with the Nationals after a very unfortunate season where he, um, when he tore his ACL, right? Is that what happened? I kind of forgot already. <laughs> he was yeah. out for the entire season. Um, he played like half a month and looked really good, and that was immediately taken away from all of baseball. So the game is better with him in it. He's one of those, those gritty players who really made himself into one of the most valuable players in the game, especially considering the, the team-friendly contract he's still under that uh, the White Sox extended him to before he was traded. Um, so he's going to be around still. He's going to be part of that, that core of players with the, the Nationals. Not a homegrown guy, but still going to be around there. And I think, are, are you impressed that I haven't, you know, gone off the rails about Trey Turner yet in this podcast? I'm showing immense restraint right now, I will have to say. I'm doing everything I can to not just, um, you know, unleash all of my, my feelings towards <laughs> my favorite shortstop in the game right now. Um, I was trying to just kind of steer away from him and what is <laughs> possible because I just was worried about setting you off, honestly. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that. You know, I'm, I've, I've been working on it. Of, of course, I picked Trey Turner to, uh, to be the NL MVP last year. So that's always fun. And it didn't happen. <laughs> this year, though. This year, for sure. You know, I've got that one in the bag, right? If that's my prediction? Guaranteed. Okay. I just, I just needed to hear it. Uh, he's definitely, I, I think, going to be the fantasy baseball MVP, which is another reason why I'm really enamored by him. So, you know, him and Anthony Rendon are each other's favorite players. So what's, that, that's also another lovable little quirky detail to throw, out, to throw in there. You know, Anthony Rendon is a good baseball player, probably has good taste. So I'm, I'm validated. I don't know why I'm, what I'm validating, but it's, it's happening right now. Hey, um, whatever. It's your boat. <laughs> what <laughs> a, <laughs> do you get that way about baseball players ever where you're just completely uh, uh, enamored by them? You know what? It's hard for me in baseball for a reason to fall in love with a guy who's not a Yankee. I don't know why that is because... You're just too loyal. In other sports, I'm trying to think if I have that issue too. You know what? In all honesty, I even in basketball too, which is like my comparison usually for like fandom for baseball, mm-hmm. I, I rarely feel passionately connected to a guy who's not on my team. Um, but I can still respect him. I mean, Trey Turner, I mean, he could be the best player in baseball in three years. There's nothing to say that, or he could be the best player in baseball next year. Yeah. I was going to say, like, why do we have to wait so long? I don't want to wait that long. (laughs) So there's no reason that as a neutral, you can't get excited about him. I think what makes him so tantalizing is I think He's kind of like Trout 2.0 in the sense I think so few people are aware of how good he is. And it's going to be really fun to watch everyone catch up. He's kind of, you know, you have, when you have guys like Judge who just kind of break out all at once and everyone get, catches all the hype train, um, there's still guys in the league like Turner who don't have the same media presence for a multitude of reasons and yet are still incredibly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... <laughs> I I I wish that at some point you you can feel the same kind of um, you know emotions that you feel towards players like Aaron Judge or Kristaps Porzingis 
um, for other players around the league because it just makes watching the sport so much more fun when you have when you have a horse in whatever game you're watching in that race and you have uh, well, the reason you have I more don't to root for is because of players like Garrett Cole who just disappoint me. <laughs> you've been hurt. You've been hurt too many times before. Yeah. Okay. That's that's also fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, the Nationals are. You know, we're not talking about any uh, any detrimental stuff here. Any any controversial stuff really either. Um, the the most compelling story for them is mm-hmm. about a year away, and that's when Bryce Harper hits free agency. So we'll see if the the curse will continue yet another year, and we'll see if they. I really want to see Bryce Harper go deeper into the playoffs, but I also want to see a lot of other players go deep into the playoffs. So I won't be like overly upset if the Nationals don't manage to do it yet again. Um, they should I mean, have, they should have you know two good whole months of the regular season to just mentally and physically prepare for the postseason considering that division. So that's something else to keep in mind. They can't be the best team in the National League next year. They can be. They they definitely can be. The Dodgers are going to make that challenging. And I think the Cubs are actually going to, you know, kind of bounce back from a disappointing year by their standards also. Um, so there's plenty of competition. It's, you know, there's those top-heavy teams, but there's a good number of them that'll be making things interesting, at least, in both leagues. So, yeah, do you have anything else to uh, to bring up about the Nationals before we wrap things up here? Uh, I would just say, lastly, there's kind of an interesting thing that can apply to all Washington sports is that even though they're a fairly big market, mm-hmm. they seem never to have a presence of a big market team. Yeah, and I don't know why that is. It's not that they don't spend money, though, because they do spend money. They... I mean, they're the richest owner, but it definitely does hurt them that they have to share so much money with Baltimore. Uh, but you, they just don't ever seem to have the national presence of a truly, you know, an L.A. Chicago. Right. I, I guess the, the media presence more so, yeah. you know? Um, it's just one of those things, geographically, where they are. I don't know why it is. You know, hopefully, I I'm, I don't think much needs to change regarding that. They they get plenty of, you know, local attention and they make it to the playoffs regularly enough. They have a superstar on their team currently. They're not in a very volatile state like the the Angels were before um, getting Shohei Otani and wasting Mike Trout's good name. So that's something else that is, you know, not so much of a immediate problem just kind of something that exists with that team in that franchise but not like a serious issue um, do you miss the expos let's be honest yeah. like you do, you probably don't remember anything from personal experience about the expos we're not old enough they were in backyard baseball 2003 which they played right okay i guess like that you you played that beyond the 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 2003 you know, you're, it, that, I guess that's fair. But we didn't really watch the Expos ever, you know? I was no, not watching yeah, baseball when I was... I was five years old when that was the last year that the Expos were, were almost never good also, but I don't care. I mean, they were good long before we were <laughs> around. They were, something. like, good once in their history, pretty much, in, the, in like, the 80s. Hey, that's, that's more than some teams can say. I, you know, 
<laughs> I, I don't know what else to say about the Expos. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that miss them dearly, and especially people in Montreal who are missing baseball. Hopefully we get them a team again, because Tampa Bay honestly does not need a baseball team still. <laughs> Sorry, Tampa Bay baseball fans out there. It's just the way it is. All right, that's a good place for us to end things off for today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll keep going with these Team of the Week podcasts, and we'd really like to hear what you have to say about the Nationals or any other teams that we'll be covering. So you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook at BeatTheShiftBP. Um, and, yeah, again, Twitter and Facebook, those are the best places to get in touch with us. Of course, you can email us, uh, BeatTheShiftBaseball at gmail.com as well. So we want to hear your feedback and questions. So we have more to talk about. We want to make it kind of a interpersonal experience, not just talking into to microphones every single week, even though that's what it really is when it comes down to it. So yeah, go ahead and do all that. You should also check out our website. The link is down below. It's got all our podcasts now very nicely organized as well as all our articles including uh eventually a nationals article to go along with this podcast uh, you can find that on our website as well so make sure you check that out all right that's all we have for today so rudy anything else that you want to say before we get things wrapped up peace <laughs> that's not that was not the cue but i guess that's what it's gonna have to be <laughs> You know, we've. It's. It is what it is. Uh, should I even say it? You can just. You can just shout it over and over again if you like. As always, Rudy. Peace. 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 Peace.